everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a game I like to think of as the return. The return of the Winnipeg Jets, or very at the very least, the style of the Winnipeg Jets that I think has brought them success this season. Now, it started off looking like this Jets team was was lost. Uh, it looked like the Vancouver Canucks were the clear better team in the first period. We've seen that from these Jets before. You know, there's been games uh, where I've talked about the Jets not putting in an honest effort to start out the game and then coming back, roaring back to come take back a game. One could accuse them of doing that in this game. I wouldn't think that's the case. I think what we're seeing from the Winnipeg Jets here is a team that had gotten away from its structure and was trying, working desperately to get back at it. Now, Part of that was the practice yesterday, and uh, Rick Bonus just used a great line. Uh, I forget what. Uh, oh man, uh, I'll get Kenny. Kenny will remember what it was. But um, his idea was that when you're playing games, sometimes the top guys are playing a little bit too much. Sometimes the bottom guys aren't playing enough. Uh, and what ends up happening is you get out of sync, you get out of rhythm, and that's what practices are for. It gets you back up to speed. We saw that from the Winnipeg Jets, had a very detail-oriented practice yesterday uh, as they tried to get their details of their system right. So I take a look at the first period, and what I thought what I saw was a team that was kind of taking the lessons of last practice and bringing them into the game and kind of learning a little bit on the fly against a team that's been a good road team. I mean, the, I think it was seven straight victories that we saw for the Vancouver Canucks uh, over their last little while. Uh, this is a good road team. And they came in and they played a good road first period. Uh, I thought that the Jets were lucky to only be down one to nothing, but that said they were, that's where your good goaltending comes into play. That's where, you know, the kind of defensive system, the, you know, the, the, the compete and the fight in their own zone comes into play. But what I saw after that was a return to the Winnipeg Jets style of hockey that absolutely breaks, and you've heard me talk about this before, breaks teams that aren't mentally strong. Now, this is interesting. Scott Arneal was talking about this yesterday, We and I love the line he brought. I thought it explained a lot of what I've talked about on this show in the past, is that if you're not a very good team, I think the Jets, when they play their style, their structure, rather than how they used to, where they would just kind of let the team do what they were going to do and skill their way back into a game. This year, when the Jets play their style against teams that aren't the, you know, the sharpest teams or the best teams or the most confidence teams, uh, that's when the Jets kind of lay a whipping on those teams. So we saw them do that to Chicago. We saw them do that to Vancouver the last time that they played Vancouver. And I think we saw that from the second period on against the Vancouver Canucks as well. Scott Arneal said when they play their system right, it steals the confidence from the other team. I love that line. And I, and I think it's entirely right because if you notice, I went and I watched the second period with my buddy uh, Dwighty, who you've heard about me talk about this. He's got seats down in behind Connor Hellebuck in the second period. And we were watching from down there. And I said, take a look, watch this, watch what happens with the Winnipeg Jets. When they get rolling like this, the other team gets the puck and they just turn it over. Rick Bonus said in training camp, what we're going to do is we're not going to wait for the puck to come to us. We're just going to go get that puck back. That's what the Jets did in the second period on. They went and just took the puck back over and over and over again. And to Scott O'Neill's point yesterday, 
How do you build confidence if every time you get the puck, you're just simply giving it back to the other team? That's what the Jets did. They got back to their style. And I will say this. We heard so much about this. And I know that, listen, I've heard the displeasure from a lot of the people who watch this show about my take on the Jets leaning. Sorry, the Jets do not do this. But the chat room, the fans leaning way too much on the excuses angle of this, the schedule, the injuries, all these different kind of things. Am I saying the injuries aren't a factor? God, no. That, that Clearly, it's a factor. But I don't like leaning on the excuse and saying that everything's fine because here's what I t- take a look tonight. And this is a game I think that a team that the Jets need to play to survive this because they're not out of the woods yet. But you've still got a team that can play a very good defensive structure like the Winnipeg Jets did from line one to line four. The coaches talk about it. When all the lines look and play like each other, that's when they succeed. You can still get those fourth, third, and second lines playing like that. But the other part about this is the Winnipeg Jets still have a Vesna caliber goaltender in Connor Hellbuck. They still have a player who may just win the Norris Trophy, and Josh Morrissey will talk about his injury later on in the show. They still have the most consistent point producer in the history of this franchise. They still have uh, Kyle Connor, who's able to put up goals in bunches. They still have Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has been putting up a career season, who's a point-per-game player, who's an absolute beast. There's teams in the playoffs right now that do not have that caliber of talent in their lineup. So I, 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 I don't like the excuses, not because I don't think that this doesn't affect it, but I think it would be a cop-out to say that the Winnipeg Jets aren't capable of winning with the lineup they have right now. You know who would agree with me? Pierre-Luc Dubois, who said it time and time again. Brendan Dillon. Every single guy in that Jets room knows they have enough players in there to win and stay in this race here, which they are doing at this stage. But that's my take on this. I know a lot of you think that I'm a downer when it comes to the Jets. I think that I have faith in what I see in the Jets. And I have faith in them enough to say, Mark Scheifele can steal a game. Pierre-Luc Dubois can steal a game. Kyle Connor can steal a game. Hellebuck can steal a game. Josh Morrissey is still there. There's enough talent out there for the Jets to continue winning games, which is why I do not like leaning on that excuse. It's a faith thing, ladies and gentlemen. You should give it a try, chat room. It's a very liberating feeling. Uh, That's my take on this game and the start of it. Uh, Let's get to Kenny to see what he's got to say about the whole thing. The man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kelly, my friend, uh, absolutely love that outfit you're rocking there. Uh, I, my, my man, uh, Frankie, and all the guys down at uh, Vittorio Rossi uh, hooked me up with a couple of those, those that, that great pattern that you got going there with the off-colored pants. It's a style thing going on right now. Absolutely love it. Got to say, too, I'm loving the uh, – my kids called it purple. Now, it's red. It's got some, like, dark blue kind of tinges to it, which I think makes it look a little bit like wine-colored. And I thought maybe I went in 
and saw Frankie, and he was like, you look a little wine-soaked from the holidays, Rennie. Let's give you a suit that matches. And he still makes it look good, even with that kind of theme, because Frankie's the best. So are the boys down at Vittorio Rossi. If you want to look like Kenny and Rennie, head on down to Corden Avenue. Go see the boys at Vittorio Rossi. They'll hook you up right. Tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. Ask for Frankie by name, because he is the wizard. Take care of that guy, and he'll take care of you. Kenny, what would you think of the game tonight? Well, it was uh, interesting all around. I don't. I mean, the Jets were a little bit flat in the first, and it's funny. Uh, I mean, we should, you know, first of all, salute Sam Gagne uh, for playing his 1,000th game here. Uh, you know, third year in a row, the Jets honored a player after Paul Stastny and Blake Wheeler, and uh, I would say that the ceremony was one of the, you know, usual ones. That kind of, I thought it was impressive. A ton of great in, in, influence from other players. Uh, and we can dig into that a little bit more later on. But the Jets are a little bit flat, and it's not uncommon after a kind of a ceremony like that. you got all the pomp and circumstance, and it's kind of weird. You know, you do this team photo at center ice, and and then all of a sudden you're asked to drop the puck and go, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, you understand why they're doing everything else, and I thought the Jets did a great job as an organization to, of, of saluting Sam Gagne and his family. Uh, and Sam, you could tell the great appreciation, and we had great. We heard that great appreciation and gratitude the day before when he spoke about the importance of what it meant to him. And uh, after that, I mean, after the first period, I think let's just be honest. I mean, the Jets were fortunate to be down only one nothing. I think, and part of that yep. reason uh, is because of Connor Hellebuck. Uh, but what we did see, Sean, and like you said, I think the Jets starting to look like themselves. Uh, part of the reason or part of the way they look like themselves is their ability, as Rick Bonus likes to say, bend and not break, right? This was a bend and not break special in the first period for the Jets. Uh, you know, an uncharacteristic uh, turnover from Dylan Sandberg on, you know, early in the game in that first minute. Um, you know, just uh, one of those things where, you know, a great read by Elias Pettersson. And I think that part maybe got lost in the shuffle earlier on, but was talking about that with our colleague uh, Dan Murphy during the first intermission when I joined him on the uh, Sportsnet Pacific broadcast. Um, but uh, the Jets sort of were a little bit flat coming out. That was an uncharacteristic play. They gave up the goal. I mean, all that you're talking about is having a good start, and then they give up a goal 41 seconds in. Yeah. Uh, but after that, you know, they took them a while to find their legs. But uh, I would say... Sean, the big difference from the other night was, you know, Connor Hellbuck gave the Jets a chance to get their legs under him after giving up the first one. Uh, I thought he was excellent, uh, had a couple big saves uh, as the game went on, and then the Jets really took over. The second, the second period, uh, second period, the, the Jets were, you know, dominant, and then the third, I mean, they just didn't really give up much. Yes, I know they got within a goal when Connor Garland banked one in uh, from one, you know, from behind the goal line after that uh, strange bounce, but you know, for the for the most part, the Jets were uh, very solid, right? I mean, I, I don't know what measure uh, somebody <laughs> somebody said I'm painting a positive picture. Well, I said the Jets were bad in the first, and then we're very good. I mean, uh, if you think the Jets were poor in the in the last part of the game, uh, the shots on goal were 39-22. They gave up 13 shots in the last two periods. Uh, and had 33 of their own. So, uh, was it was it a factor that the Jets were very good on special teams? Yes. But um, back to Sean's point, uh, the Jets were able to get things going, and they had some extended zone time shifts. Uh, they were able to, you know, hem their opponent in in the defensive zone. They made life difficult for their opposing defensemen, uh, which was something they didn't do on the forecheck the last several games. So, I'm with you. I mean, we expected the Jets to be sharper after having a practice. Uh, on Wednesday, they were. 
with the exception of the first period where, as we both mentioned, they weren't very good. Uh, after that, they were the clearly the better team. And yes, of course, special teams were a factor. But I would also say, uh, like I said to you on the on our post game hit for Sportsnet, um, if if Mark Scheifele's line mates had a little more finish, and I'm not, oh yeah, I'm not trying to be negative on Carson Kuhlman. Carson Kuhlman did a great job of getting to the spots where Mark Scheifele found him, um, and you know. Adam already a couple great tips. He was around the net a lot, and uh, you know that line was buzzing all night. I lo- I loved what Rick Bonus said because Sean, we both played on teams where when the skilled players are looking over their shoulder constantly at the coach, and because they're feeling it and they want to get on the ice, this was one of those nights where Rick Bonus was like, you know what, forget it. I don't need to worry yeah. about overplaying Mark. He's he's creating all over the ice, and he kept throwing him over the boards to the tune of. Uh, let's see, 20 minutes, 27 seconds, 24 shifts, four shots on goal, eight shot attempts. And I just thought he was buzzing uh, all night long. I thought this was one of Mark Scheifele's better games. And not just offensively, I thought he was really working hard on his 200-foot game. And um, I mean, there's a lot of things we're going to get to in the buffet here. But that really stood out to me. Uh, Scheifele was excellent. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Hellebuck did what Hellebuck usually does. He allows his team a chance to get moving. Uh, but Mark Scheifele, for me, was, I mean, as you mentioned, he was absolutely flying in the game at all ends of the rink. Uh, I mean, again, I know some people are trying to point the finger at me and saying, oh, I, I was wrong for saying I liked the Jets loading up their top line. I mean, at 5-on-5, five five, they didn't get any goals. So um, I, I'm not sure that that, that that take is a strong one. I, I'm I'm also here to say I'm here I'm here for Adam Lowry playing with Mark Scheifele and trying to get a little bit of balance, but um, I also think that it's important to note that uh, it can be it can be occasionally frustrating for a skilled player when he's making things happen and his line mates aren't scoring. Uh, and it, I don't, I, you know, then Mark Scheifele went out and got a lot done on the power play. I mean, two power play goals and an empty netter, where Adam Lowry did just an awesome job of hustling and to beat Elias Pettersson. This wasn't just a pass it to Mark Scheifele because he's trying to get a hat trick. It was a great effort to create an opportunity for a guy who got open. Uh, effort played by both guys. And just overall, I think this is such an important game for the Jets. And just for everything we've talked about the last few games, uh, Sean, right? I mean, the Jets were feeling tension really for the first time this season. I mean, they yep. had lost three in a row. Um, you know, they give up a goal 41 seconds in. And there had to be a segment of the chat room that was thinking, oh boy, here they go again, uh, slow start. But the Jets composed themselves, and then they did what they're supposed to do. You beat a team that's chasing them in the standings, and a team that could have pulled within six points and had a game in hand and won an eighth consecutive road game. Instead, now the Canucks are 10 points back, and now that you know that steep hill that they had to climb is even steeper. Uh, I thought the Jets' centermen as a whole were excellent in the game, and we'll, let's dig into that a little bit more. Uh, sorry, that's a that's a that's a big that's a big start that's a big trip to the buffet. That's listen, a big trip. Listen. Yeah, there's not. You know what? Listen. We always talk about the old Christmas leftovers. Uh, wow. Went through a couple say, of turkey racks on that one, my man. Sorry I was going to say I have some sources that say uh, you just <laughs> demolished the Christmas dinner this year, and I thought, holy smokes, he's probably stretched that stomach out, and his next trip to the buffet is going to be a big one. So I think for the next oh, while we can expect Kenny to just assault the buffet, and that's why we're here. We absolutely <laughs> love that. Before we get too deep into everything let's get to the lamplighter of the game what'd you pick uh for me it's i mean there's three options for shifley but i'm going with pierre luc dubois penalty shot 
Uh, I love the speed that he used, A, to create the, the separation that, that forced the penalty shot to be called. And then when he did get himself uh, settled and went and started a little bit quickly down the side, um, you know, I'm not a toot-my-own-horn kind of person, but as he was going down that wing, I looked over to Murata Tesh uh, from The Athletic and I said, blocker side all day long here. Uh, he made just an absolutely perfect shot. I think he froze Delia, thinking maybe he was looking five-hole, and he just ripped the shot past his blocker, just above the blocker, just that perfect spot uh, that is so hard for goalies to stop. It's particularly hard against a left-handed shooter, Sean. Uh, both of us know that because we're both right-handed shooters, and I never see that spot open when we get breakaways, uh, which is very rare, I know, in a, in a you know Tuesday or Friday hockey, but uh, that's not a spot where I go to very often. But... Uh, you know, impressive job by Pierre-Luc Dubois, A, to create the penalty shot, and B, to deliver on the penalty shot for his 17th goal of the year, and that penalty shot goal uh, that put the Jets up 2-1 th- to one and at 15.42 of that second period is my lamplighter brought to you by the good folks at TransCanada Brewing Company. Yeah, I got to say, I'm going to go with Shifley's first goal. And this is just one of the things I had a little bit of a debate, but I just so one of the things that I said, and again, I I went down for the second period and, you know, people are talking about how good the crowd was. Um, I wasn't sure if if it was that or I just went down because I watched the second period down with uh, with Mm -hmm. Dwighty in the crowd. Uh, And so, I mean, everything kind of took off there, right? Like the Jets started being suffocating, turned the puck over and they were building and they were building. You know, and so when the goals started coming, and then you know, a penalty shot always does that, right? Because the the breakaway starts, then he gets hauled down. So the, everyone's excited about the breakaway, then everyone's upset that he got taken down, and then everyone's like waiting with bated breath to see what the official's going to do. And then he does the point, and then everyone goes off, and then we're just getting to the action, right? And so then he goes down, he scores, and people were going nuts, and they were having a good time. And right, we're journalists, so I'm sitting there in a suit and a tie down in the seats and everyone around me is going nuts. And I'm sitting there because we're journalists, right? We don't react. We're not supposed to react to games. We don't cheer. I will tell, I'll say this, an unnamed journalist from the city, a good friend of mine, we were covering down uh, when the jets in 2018 in the first round, we were down in uh, Minnesota and they scored a goal in that game. And he jumped out of his chair to cheer. And I grabbed him in midair and hauled him back down and sat him down. And I was like, you can't cheer in the box like this. Right. But so I'm sitting there. I probably looked like a total square, right. Sitting there, not cheering while everyone's losing their mind. The point of it all is that like the, the, the crowd was great tonight. That was a fun night to be in the audience. I had wondered if the Canucks would bring people out. Cause I think the Canucks became a natural favorite oh, yeah. NHL team of people in Winnipeg the because club, of the association yeah. with the Moose. So so it's always good to see them back. I'm glad that that still uh, uh, lingers, but I'm glad the fans got to go off tonight. I'll just say this about the, the Jets. I thought um, it was important that they got back to the bonus system because they started getting more opportunity. But I, one thing that I really liked about them, Ken, is they, they, they didn't get into the Team Canada in the first game against Czechia, right? They weren't trying to pass the puck in the back of the net, which this team can be guilty of. What did they start doing? They started getting the puck, moving it back and forth, up between the defensemen, getting traffic to the net and firing it on net. That's how they got a big chunk of their goals in the second period. And what I loved about it was they go on the power play, and instead of getting fancy on the power play, what do they do? Mark Shifley goes to the gritty area right in front of the net, Josh Morrissey gets the puck, fires it at his stick. Mark Shifley, and if you think about that last game where he almost redirected that 
puck flying through the air in the net. Like, here's a guy who right now has the high hand-eye coordination absolutely on. I just thought that was the right kind of goal to get them back into this game. I think it kind of sets the tone for Pierre-Luc Dubois, who just drops his shoulder and goes after the net. The Jets got gritty. Rather than trying to score their way out of this in an opportunity that it would have been easy to try and pass the puck a lot, they stayed gritty. They did the right thing. I think that goal set the tone for the night, and that's why that's the lamplighter for me. I'm sure you all have your own. I've seen a lot of people put it in there. Other, We want to see them. Tell us what your lamplighter of the game was, your favorite goal of the game, a.k.a. your lamplighter, and you will be entered to win a frosty, delicious APAC of Lamplighter Amber Ale from our good friends at the TransCanada Brewing Company. Ken, I went down there yesterday again with the family, had some pizza, had some beer. It was absolutely great. So I didn't wait. Like Shocking a lot of development, waiting, yes. Heading down to the TransCanada Brewing Company, if you want to get your own eight-pack without waiting for us to hand it out, go on down to their tap room at 11290 Keniston. See our good friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. Tons of pizzas to try there. Tons of beers to try there. Uh, and I will say this. Um, 21st of January, the, the, the calendar is almost turning. We think it's a steal of a deal. 20 bucks gets you all the pizza that you can eat. You get to try all their amazing pizzas, and that, they're, they're all great, and uh, gets you a free beer. I mean, that's a steal of a deal. And you get in there, and you get to watch a live uh, taping or viewing or whatever you want to call it of the Kenny and Rennie show. We'd love to have you join us there. Make sure you get a hold of Ken or myself if you want tickets. And I got to get to our last winner of the lamplighter, and that would be James E., who I believe is James Anerson, the brother of oh, my good go. friend Johnny Anerson, who's one of the, I always say, he's one of the top five hockey camera shooters in the entire world. If you watch the Stanley Cup finals or the playoffs or anything like that, you are watching through the lens of our good friend Johnny Anderson, who had carved out a phenomenal career, a Hall of Fame career over at the CBC Manitoba here. James, his brother, is a drummer of note. Uh, and I hope he can. Dr- I hope he's able to drum with an eight pack of lamplighter in his belly. I know I've done it in the past. I don't think I do it very good. I think he's got a standard to reach that I've never reached. But uh, we should put it to the test. See what he does, James E. You've won a frosty, delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale. Just direct message me at Twitter at sn sean reynolds. Send me your full name. And send me your email, and I will send you a voucher for a frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Congratulations, James E. A guy, Ken, who's been watching us, our long forms, our show, right from the very beginning. I love it when OGs win the stuff that we're handing out. Before we move on, let's get to our Johnston Group Gotcha Covered play of the game, Ken. Yeah, already mentioned it, but going to dig in once again uh, on the hat-trick goal. That would not have been possible without a good play at the blue line by Adam Lowry to chase down the puck and to get it over to Mark Scheifele to complete the hat-trick, which was his second of the season and seventh of his career. Seven hat-tricks for Mark Scheifele. Uh, that's getting to be a very large number, Sean, um, for a guy who we know was the first-ever draft pick uh, by the Winnipeg Jets. And because they didn't have a second-round pick that year, Adam Lowry was the next draft pick by the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets. So uh, those two combining on Scheifele's hat-trick goal, uh, just a great effort by Adam Lowry. Like I said, at the blue line, he looked to make sure if Mark Scheifele wasn't open, Adam Lowry shoots that puck into the net. But the player had come over to him. Lowry made a nice pass to get it over for the open look, and he buried it. 
Good stuff. Absolutely good stuff. Uh, and speaking of OGs, I was talking about before James E being an OG chat room member. Uh, the Johnson Group are the Kenny and Rennie OGs when it comes to supporting uh, businesses, supporting this podcast. And you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit design specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan could benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And I got to say this about the Johnston Group, Kenny. I absolutely love it. I'm a proud Manitoban. I'm a proud Winnipegger. I'm that guy who to my daughters, every the Watchmen came on the radio the other yeah. day and I was like, these guys are from Winnipeg. Daddy's been to like 10 of these concerts before. I love to see when people from Winnipeg are the best in the business across Canada, and that would uh, definitely apply to our friends at the Johnston Group in doing what they do. Ken, I think we should get to this. Uh, let's get to the debate a little bit because I know that some people have been uh, chipping at you in the uh, in the chat room about this, and I also know that you and I think differently on this. Um, you like the idea of the load-up, the Mark Shifley, the Pierre-Luc Dubois, and the Kyle Connor. Uh, people are calling that into question, and I think they're trying to use evidence of what happened here tonight. Now, you've talked about this already, but I want to get where you stand on the idea of where you think the Jets should go forward from here and if the load-up still remains the option to, to, to take. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it maybe depends on the opponent to a certain degree. Um, I, I would say that the maybe the Jets were able to get away with it a little bit more against a team like the Canucks. Uh, and that's no offense to the Canucks. They'd won seven previously in a row on the road and had been playing better and everything else. And you know, quite honestly, for the folks who thought I was just being overly positive, Colin Delia makes a couple of 10-bell saves in this game. Otherwise, it's not even close. I don't think this is a close game uh, over the last 40 minutes. Do you? I mean, mm -hmm. that, no, save he made on that save he made on Dylan DeMello, that, that is literally a top-five save of the season. That's a full-on... Full on Patrick Wall yeah. windmill, and never mind for people saying, "Oh well, Dylan Dylan Demello has one goal in whatever amount of seasons with the Jets." That that shot is going bar down. It's a great pass by Dubois. He absolutely does a perfect windmill to save the save the shot. Uh, and like I said, Carson Kuhlman had a ton of good opportunities in the slot. Uh, like I, I don't think that it was really that close and. Uh, if you want to know how frustrated the Vancouver Canucks were, and I'm a guy who loves intensity, and I I love JT Miller because he has a little bit of that cantankerousness in him. But, Sean, I know you saw it. I saw it. Did you notice he smashed his stick on the on the crossbar? Colin Delia, get to yeah. the bench. We have yes. possession of the puck. Yes. You need to get to the bench in favor of an extra attacker. Um, some people may not like that. Whatever. I'm, I'm fine with it. It's an intense guy, uh, and that's the way it goes. Uh, I love that. But Delia was very good in this game, and people could say, oh, well, he's just some you know third stringer. But he played well. I mean, the Jets had a ton of shots, a ton of chances. Um, I'll double-check the uh, natural stat trick, but the high-danger chances were heavily lopsided in favor of the Jets, I think, in this one. Uh, at five on five, they were twenty-one to eight, and the like. I don't know what people think if they thought that they should have beat the Canucks eight nothing. 
Um, I'm sorry. Pierre-Luc Dubois said it best. You're not going to go from the way the Jets had been playing to playing perfect hockey. Of course not. That's not the way it works. The Jets have some issues they're working through, Sean. And today, we saw them work through those issues and get back to the details. Uh, Sorry, that was a long-winded way of going back to the original question about loading up. Um, Again, I think it was important for them to split the, the two pairings up in this situation. But, you know, I I don't particularly, you know, think that I saw a massive... You know, Sam Gagne, kudos to him. And the fact that he got to 1,000 games, fantastic. I thought he had some nice jump in the game. But do I think that line created more with Sam Gagne on it than with Mark Scheifele on it? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that Adam Lowry is out on the ice with Mark Scheifele. I think as a tandem, they can do a great job. But right now, the Jets aren't finding offense... You know, earlier in the year, they were getting some offense from Michael Asamont. Um, you know, Jansen Harkins had come up and done a nice job at certain times. But, you know, I just think that a skilled player like Shifley on a game that he's playing and feeling like the way he was today, Sean, if Mark Shifley is playing with Dubois and Connor tonight instead of in the game where they're getting the rust off, I think that those guys are dominant at 5-on-5. Five and again, Dubois was great at 5-on-5, five five, so was Kyle Connor, And Sam Gagne was effective today. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just saying if Shifley is playing on the loaded-up top line today against the Canucks and not the Minnesota Wild, I think that line has four goals at 5-on-5 five five, uh, instead of instead of none. So, anyways, that's just uh, that's just my personal view. And yet, uh, Dubois' goal is technically not a power play goal, but it came on a penalty shot. The penalty shot was created at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, anyways, I, I've got I've got time for both units. I got time for Mark Shifley playing with uh, with with Adam Lowry, no problem there. But I mean, Carson Kuhlman had a great effort and you know was buzz you know was having an impact and creating scoring chances. But he's had a ton of opportunities, Sean, in the top six. And there's a reason Carson Kuhlman has been used maj- for the majority of his career on a checking line and not a scoring line and. He can move. He has some important attributes. I think he can play on the team as a 12th and 13th forward. But asking him to play with Mark Shifley, I think you're asking a lot. And that, you know, having said that, Kuhlman did make an excellent pass. You know, was not pressured. He found Kyle Connor for a breakaway. That's another really nice play by Carson Kuhlman in a game where I thought he was excellent. But you asked me if I thought it was. If are the Jets a better team when they load up? Or are they a better team when they try to have a little bit of balance, considering the players that are out of the lineup? I'm not standing. I'm not moving off my stance, Sean. In the last game, the top line, when they loaded up, had a goal and gave up none. Today, uh, the Shifley line, I don't blame them. That was one of those. This is a classic example when the people that don't like plus minus, Sean, it's tough to ding Adam Lowry and Mark Shifley and Carson Kuhlman with a minus when Dylan Sandberg just put it on the tee for Elias Pettersson, who gave it to Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. All of the, you know, the majority of the Jets scoring did not come at even strength. So all the people saying, looking, and hey, look at Shifley. He had two goals today when he wasn't on that loaded-up line. You're missing the point. The three goals came. One was an empty netter, and two were on the power play. So uh, anyways, Mark played great. This is the thing, Sean. When a skilled player is... It could have been. You know, sorry, I'm not going to steal your your point. You take the other side of it. 
Sure, sure. I'm just going to say, you know what? I watched a classic with my daughters over Christmas, watched Gremlins for the first time. I, I remember when I was young, that was kind of my was, entrance yes. into horror movies, and I got into horror movies after that. I would say the buffet tonight looks like after the Gremlins get after the food, <laughs> the way that Kenny is hitting it here tonight. There's like chicken bones being thrown everywhere, and there's grease on chins. Kenny's hitting intensity, it tonight, buddy. And I absolutely love here. it. Let's I go. love it. I absolutely love it. You know what? I'll, I'll say this. Um, and Julie Sue said this earlier on. Uh, and I got to say, I, I really do. Uh, I, I really do take umbrage with this comment. She said earlier on about my take earlier on saying that the Jets, there's plenty there to rely on and, and, and plenty of players to make a difference. And she says that's a bad take. One line and a goalie isn't enough. I don't take umbrage with her saying that I've got a bad take. I've got, I take umbrage with the fact that she's suggesting that outside of those three players, the Jets don't have something here. Adam Lowry has been absolutely phenomenal this year. I love this move to move this down. Now, I, here's my take, Ken. If you were going to load up that first line, I know you said this the other day, you, they loaded up that first line, they got one goal out of it, they didn't have any goals against I don't think that's enough. If you are going to load up three players like that, you know, a guy who is a consistent point-per-game player, a guy who had 90 points and 40 goals last year, and a guy who's on his way to being a point-per-game player, you better be getting Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl-type production out of that line. You can't go out and have them contribute one goal and say that's enough. And so my, my take on that is I'm okay with that, if you've got a line that shows they can go out and win you game after game after game. Now, we don't have a big enough cross-section to know if that's going to happen. But I do think what we saw here tonight was important. And Mark Scheifele getting put on that other line, you talked about it. This is almost an argument against it because how many times did he find Carson uh, Kuhlman? And Carson Kuhlman is just not pulling the trigger on it. Now... We talked about this in the last couple of shows. Mark Scheifele is playing with guys who can't capitalize on what he's doing, and he got frustrated, and it led him in the wrong direction. Now, you do make a good point in that he, what the success he had tonight, a lot of it was when he got away from those players, but Adam Lowry was on the ice when he scored his second goal. Adam Lowry made his third goal happen, but I think oh, yeah. the most important thing about that is Mark Scheifele was on the second line and rather than get frustrated and kind of have the posture that he was given up on the game because he's upset that there's guys who he's giving opportunities to and they're not capitalizing on that opportunity he just kept going with that kind of attitude with hey if I got to do it with, by myself that's what this team needs right now and he went out and he did that and I love that he did that again I contend there's enough players there's enough star power remaining on this team that you can get guys who could like there's game stealers out here there's four or five of them if you want to include their goaltender the jets have five game stealers in their lineup right now to me if that's not enough to keep yourself afloat i'm not asking the winnipeg jets to to race and catch the boston bruins i'm saying like the other teams that have been banged up and nicked up throughout this season they need to stay afloat, and I think that those players are enough to keep the Winnipeg Jets afloat. And I also think that there's still enough that a guy like Mark Scheifele should be able to drive a line. And if you've got a guy like Adam Lowry, again, I take umbrage to what Julie, Julie Sue is saying. So, hey, that would be a great line. When he gets back, I, we can't get there right now. We can talk about that when they get back. But I, I think it's I, – and I, I honestly think, and we heard Pierre-Luc Dubois say it after the game. Pierre-Luc Dubois said it would be 
disrespectful of them to send the message in the room that they don't have what it takes to compete right now. That's what Julie Sue is saying, and that's why I take umbrage with that because I think it's dead out wrong. I think the Jets have enough not to be the best team in the league right now, but enough players that if they take it upon themselves to say, I'm going to be the guy that gets us through this, they've got enough guys to get through that. I think splitting them up works like that. I didn't see it necessarily shaking out like this, but I love the Lowry and Shifley pairing. And what I love about it, maybe more than anything, Ken, is the reaction between those two players after he scores the hat trick. I mean, it's an empty net goal, and these guys are screaming in each other's faces, bug-eyed, because they're so excited, A, that he got the hat trick, but B, that they closed that game out and played such a major role in it. Adam Lowry cares. Adam Lowry may care more about what happens to the Winnipeg Jets than anyone out there. The fans, the other players, the coaches, the general manager, the owner. Adam Lowry cares about this team. So you're going to get a guy with with uh, uh, Mark Shifley who's going to do what he can to create him space and allow him to have games like he had here tonight. And I still am open to exploring the idea of moving Pierre-Luc Dubois to a different line and with some less skilled players but the kind of players that can capitalize off the the you know the 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 chaos that he creates so i'm not done looking around and seeing that there's other pairings again the only way i'm okay with the load up is if we start getting connor mcdavid leon drysdale type production out of that and you know my take on this ken because you and i kind of batted this about and argued yes. about this when the jets played the oilers in the playoffs a couple of years ago i thought the moment that the jets loaded up sorry the Oilers loaded up and moved Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl onto the second line. I thought that was the moment that the Winnipeg Jets won that series because it becomes so easy to key on that. So I'm on team split it up. Um, I, I, I don't think we're going to get the way things are going. I don't think we're going to get the answer to that question in enough games. It'll be too small of a sample size. This is just going to be one of those Kenny thinks this. Rennie thinks this, and another one of those ones where, let's be honest, Rennie's right out of this thing. So uh, let, let's move on from this. Um, hey, sorry, I do one, one wa- here quickly for the folks. Uh, the Adam Lowry Appreciation uh, Stand uh, Club here. Is it, is, it, is it loading up? It's rolling rolling up? Oh, he's got st- – he just moved into sixth place on the team in points today. Seven goals, 21 points in 36 games. So – um, impressive. I mean, a lot of yeah. people, a lot of those folks who were saying that Lowry shouldn't should be a fourth liner, uh, their wake up has been issued and it's going to be reissued. Uh, you know, we don't like a lot of reruns, but that one's getting a reissue here this evening. Okay. Um, hey, before we go too far, uh, I want you to give a shout out to our main man, Lou. You bet. For the folks uh, looking in the realty department, whether you're looking to buy, whether you're looking to sell, whether you're just curious about what's going on in the market around you, or if you're curious about moving to another area, downsizing, uh, looking for something bigger, uh, you can reach our guy Lou Ferlin at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. Uh, You can reach him on cell at 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlan.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And his website is www.louferlan.ca. Helping you is what I do. Excellent stuff. Uh, and Kenny, tell him I Kenny and Rennie sent you. 
Tell Don't them forget. Kenny and Randy sent you. I got to tell you, uh, uh, people are uh, checking out. Uh, Jeff Kabili says, I bet Lou can sell Rennie umbrages. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you this. One of the gifts, that uh, that dictionary toilet paper, it's good stuff. And because I'm so proud about pulling out the word umbrage, I'm going to make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. Good. Let's hit the music. It's time to time for the Tristan Rivers uh, masterpiece, uh, boy, we got to make it a trifecta. We got to get Scotty or or uh, Hammer on the show. But let's two two will do. Oh, I was gonna try and work Lou in there, and nothing came to me. Let's hit the music. <laughs> Good stuff here. I, I wanted to throw out a message um, for all the people out there. The home field uh, shovels, they are coming. Uh, please have patience with that. I've got a list of people who've reached out. Uh, it's just it's holiday hours. I've got kids. Uh, let me get through the holiday season. I'll start getting those kind of things out there. You are being, uh, like Braden Mahan brought it up here earlier on, uh, it's being monitored. It'll be taken care of. It's just it takes time to do that. And I'm trying to keep up and make sure that through the holiday hours, people are getting their lamplighter packed. So that one is taking priority but believe me i will be working on getting all those shovels out as quick as i can i also have a home field comment that i don't want to have i don't want to try to just yet i think i think we're going to go with a question today so we'll have to handle the question at some point uh but ken i wanted to, to say something uh and and because i know that i've been very hard uh on the people who've been bringing the excuse train into the Kenny and Rennie chat room. Uh, and I know, believe me, I've been getting your hate mail. I see how you feel about me saying that. I totally and just a second. I know how Sean feels about it because he brings it up to me at practice time, people. Come on. There we go. Sean there has thick go. skin, but... It's no, the season. no, uh, don't tell them to hold off. No, I love okay. it. I love it. I, Both I, barrels, I'm like, then. fine. Both yes, barrels, I'm fine. like, I'm like a, a Sith. Like I feed off their hate. It is what keeps me going. Uh, at this hate stage might be here. a little strong, though. Hate <laughs> might be a little strong. No, I know. You know what? It's funny. So, I, I, what I find is a lot of people will come in really hot. And then I'll message them back, and then it'll end up being a really good conversation where good. people are like, you know what? I love watching the show. You know, keep doing what you do kind of thing. Uh, listen, passion is what makes sports fun, and I love the passion. So I love it when people go after the takes. Uh, that's what we're here for. Um, I will say this, and I wanted to point this out, and I had this conversation with my guy, Dwighty, again, who's a high-level hockey coach uh, in his own right, whose son is getting a lot of consideration uh, for for the WHL draft. I'm interested to see how that pulls out. Um, but uh, one of the ways that I thought it, the, the lack of, and I don't want to say lack of depth, but the injuries mean certain players are playing in different spots. There was a point where the Jets had a whole bunch of momentum in that second period. And there was one little stretch, Ken, where all of a sudden there was a turnover. The Vancouver Canucks went the other way and so the Jets up in their zone for about three minutes. And it was Mikey Asimont had the puck and he gave the puck away when the Jets had all sorts of momentum. It went the other way. Now, it didn't end up in the back of the Jets net. But it stole three minutes of momentum away from the Jets. And it was before the Jets scored their first goal. And I will say this. 
Uh, again, and I stand firmly and strongly behind this, I think the Jets have enough stars to get through this. They've got enough game breakers, so I don't think they need to be leaning on uh, on uh, uh, injuries as an excuse to not be a competitive team right now. They have what they need to be competitive. But that right there was an example of what, you know, maybe Saku Menelainen not being in that spot or Nick Ehlers not being in that spot. That's the difference, right? Those That one turned over puck in a bad spot can be all the difference in shutting down momentum in the middle of a game. Now, give credit to the Jets. Rather than use it as an excuse, they went out and they stole the momentum back. But I would say this, um, that to me was a clear indication of the Jets don't have their full lineup. There's some Manitoba Moose players in there. That's an AHL-type play, uh, and not, not a focus on the details in that situation. And it ends up being a, a play where the Jets have to survive some uh, significant time. Is there anywhere, Ken, or anything that really stands out to you that that really has maybe set the Jets a step back uh, with, with the depth challenge that they have with all the uh, injured players out of the lineup? Well, I mean, finish to a degree at 5-on-5 five five has been something that's been maybe standing out the last little while. And I mean, it's natural. Look at the guys that are out of the lineup. I mean, uh, I still honestly, <laughs> you talk about the excuse train. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers is one of the most impactful players on the Winnipeg Jets. He's played two games out of 36, and the Jets are still, not only are they a competitive team, they're still battling for first place in their division. So, I mean, they've got guys that have stepped up. There's no doubt about that, but... Um, you know, there's still a long chunk of the season left here. I mean, it, it's going to get taxing. And, Sean, here's the thing. If the Jets want to go to where they want to get to, there's urgency for them to go deep this year. If they want to go deep, never mind just getting to game 82. They want to play for another two months. Like, they want to play into June this year. So uh, there's lots more twists and turns and, and tension coming. And, and, Sean, part of the tension, sorry to change the subject, we've got to get into Josh Morrissey here. Um Josh Morrissey was hit by Tyler Myers on a on a power play. Uh, Myers kind of led up, and Josh kind of ran into him, I think. Or I, that was my take. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't think it was a dirty play. People are wondering why people didn't go after him. I mean, it wasn't really a dirty play. It was just kind of one of those, it was a strange contact, and Josh seemed to be, you know, laboring. I thought it was his left leg. I don't know what you saw. Uh, Morrissey went down the tunnel. He came back out during a stoppage and play, during a TV timeout. He took a couple twirls around. I didn't think he was putting full impact on his leg. And when he got back to the bench, I noticed him kind of trying to shake out his left leg. I'm not sure if it was a groin issue or something else. Uh, what Rick Bonus said to us, I, I thought there was a op- possibility he might say Josh Morrissey will not be available for the game at Edmonton. That's not what he said. He said Morrissey would get treatment on Friday and that he was hopeful that he could play on Saturday against the Oilers. That doesn't mean he will play, but as Mark Shifley said, Sean, Josh Morrissey's a tough guy. He's fought through a lot of pain, whether it was this year or in previous years. If the guy can play, he's going to be in the lineup, right? I mean, that's just the way that, that he rolls. Um, I, I think he will play, unless it's something a little bit more serious uh, than what that we were made to be... Uh, told today uh, somebody asked I think it was Rob Somerville asked about Sacramento Linen uh, Rob we don't know what the setback was all we know is that when Rick came back and started giving updates he thought Menelainen was the closest to returning and today he said well Nate Schmidt might be the closest to returning 
And Nate Schmidt was only on the ice for the first time today. So we were a little bit confused. As, and yes, the jokes fire away with the jokes. Yeah, the media is confused again. Uh, but sounds like Nate Schmidt and Cole Perfetti would be the first guys kind of potentially back. But Menelainen went from potentially seven days to it's taking a little longer than expected. So uh, we don't know what that means or how long he's going to be out. Uh, most of the Jets are out for multiple multiple weeks still. Uh, and the other thing we should say, I mean, Mitchell Clinton was watching it this morning, uh, and he he saw Nikolai Ehlers kind of going a little bit more full out than what we had seen previously. Uh, what that means for his timeline, I don't think it means he's any quicker than I think it's still probably two weeks or so, at least for Nikolai Ehlers, because that's not an injury with the sports hernia operation that you rush a guy back from. But I think he's trending in the right direction. So we'll see where things go uh, from here. Um, okay, it's time to hand out, uh, and I'm going to do a variation on it, but the Home Field Dig Deeper Award today, I'm sure. going to pass out to, and let me go to my starred comments here. Uh, I, I like this question. Okay, Robert Sutton says, who's the next 1,000 or 1,000 game for the Jets? Now, that could get tricky here, so I'm going to say I this, Ken. Uh, you do know the answer. Okay, uh, so uh, you know what? I was going to so kind of narrow it you. down, but uh, you can't tell me. I can, but I don't want to. If you're going to use it as a as a tactic, oh no, I'm not. Oh, using sorry. It as a tactic. The answer what is I was Brendan gonna... Dillon. Okay, there you go. There you go. Obviously, uh, so but but seven sixty nine. Yeah, yeah. Mark Schaefer now is so, so something. So that's a suggestion, though. Uh, okay, here let's go in a different direction because I will say this: I think with what is happening with the Jets in the next couple of years, and we talked about this the other day. It's a conversation. I don't want to bleed that conversation into the show, but we do know that in the next couple of years, um, there could be potential for for teams for players not to be sticking around here. Meaning that, like a player like Brendan Dillon, it's not unforeseeable that he could be moved before the time he hits his thousandth game. Same thing with Mark Shifley. So I guess. Put it like this. I'm going to say, A, do you think it's going to be a player that's currently on the roster right now? Or B, is it going to be one of these things they've done where they bring in a Paul Stassen or a Gagne type to kind of fill in the role that they've brought those older players in to fill? And thus, they're older players. They've spent time. So you end up getting that guy who's got the plaque with seven different teams, uh, you know, like Sam Gagne had here tonight. And his thousandth game just happens to come in a Jets jersey amongst a lot of other jerseys. Uh, so, A, do you think it's one of those guys or a guy currently on the roster? And then, B, who do you think the most likely next person, if they were to be off this roster, would be? And yeah, give I mean, us the, your reasoning of why they're still here after a 1,000 games. Yeah, I mean, Brendan Dillon or Mark Shifley would be my my answers. I mean, those are the guys I think that are the two closest to... Well, maybe Nate Schmidt might be in there, too. I'm going to maybe quickly have a look at Nate Schmidt, but... Uh, Based on contract situation and yeah, yeah, and everything else, I would say. And there's Nate Schmidt, oh, five fifty six. So yeah, uh, Dylan or Shifley, I would say it's someone on the current roster. Uh, you know, that's you know, does that mean that Mark Shifley has signed an extension? Certainly, I think it. it Wouldn't maybe, it have to? It would have, it have to. Yes, to? it would that's have a, so to. That, so that's but why. Sorry, I think sorry. This hang is on. An interesting I question. think it's Dylan. Dylan can get there on his current contract. I think right. So right. If he needs right. two hundred, no, oh, maybe not. Maybe he only has the second year after. So maybe. It's, but but I guess I would say this based on our conversation that I don't want to keep too secretive. I think people can understand where it's going. But if it's not Shife, because Shife doesn't make it 
here that long. If Scheif is gone before from this team before a thousand games, don't you think by extension what would be happening to the team would suggest that Brendan Dillon would probably gone as well? Oh, fair, yeah. And I mean, here's the other part. I mean, Josh Morrissey was talking eloquently or speaking eloquently about about Sam Gagne and you know thinking about man how long it you know how long it is to get there. Josh Morrissey is at four fifty nine. Like he's almost halfway there, but it's a long time. It's a long way from 500 to a thousand. So yes, I mean, if it's not Shifley and it's not Dylan, then you look a little bit further down, then it's got to be either Kyle Connor or Josh Morrissey. Right. I mean, now you're going that far down the list and maybe Nikolai Ehlers, depending on uh, how many games he's missed, but um, it's super interesting. And, and I mean, you're right. If, if Mark, if, if, uh, if Mark Shifley is not signing an extension you know, it Brennan won't Dillon, be him. It won't Brennan, be him. Then Brendan yeah. Dillon. I mean, maybe he's it, not it here probably I mean, cre- it probably creates. I mean, okay, th- this is the way that it could work, right? Like, I still think it's someone off the current roster. I still yes. stand by that because Morrissey would be next on that list. So, uh, but I mean, that would be closer to the end of Josh Morrissey's contract than to the beginning, right? So, uh, it, it's super interesting, and yeah, I mean, we're not going to go down that road right now. I think the, still the Jets are. Are loading up, and you know, part of what I wrote about today uh, with Bull Horvat in town. Uh, no matter what people thought about Horvat, I mean, I wrote that despite the great strength down the middle, I could see a scenario now that the Jets, with them playing Shifley and Lowry on a line and spreading out their wealth down the middle because of the emergence of a guy like Kevin Stenland, I think that Bull Horvat is a guy that the Jets should still be targeting. Uh, I know it's going to cost a lot and everything else, but I think Bo and I wrote in my column that will soon be posted, Bull Horvat is Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois insurance, right? If one of those guys isn't interested in committing, or both, then the Jets have to take a swing at Horvat. If they bring him in as a rental, then you have the opportunity to make a longer-term commitment to a guy like that that still allows the Jets to have some depth and high-end scoring talent uh, down at center before guys like Chaz Lucius or you know arrive on the scene at the NHL level. I got to say this, Ken, and I'm going to get this out there right now because it's a conversation that's going to come up over the next couple of years that we we do this. I personally think, uh, and I think we may think different on this, I think that the Jets um, are most likely not going to move on from players. I, I, I feel like... If everything falls apart, because we all know like there's there's crazy potential for change over the next year and a half, right? Because the Jets go and the, in the window of players to leave uh, who are enti- entirely clear to leave, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, all he's got to do is arbitrate his way to a one-year deal and he's gone after next season. Mark Scheifele's yep. contract expires after next season. Uh, Blake Wheeler, um, uh, God, uh, Mark Scheifele, so, so if you've got all these players uh, that are all going at the same time, my take is the, jet, the, jet, the, the Jets are not going to move those players out and turn it into a big turnaround for the next generation. I, I think that if those players are on their way out, what you're going to see from the Jets is that they're going to stick by this group for one last time this year and have one last big party and then lose the majority of those players walking away as self-rentals. That's what I see happening going forward. Um, so I don't know if that has much to do with what we're talking about, the, but the, the thousandth game, it's a comment I wanted to, because we, we've talked about this and we know that Kevin Shevel Dayoff's next couple of years are going to be really interesting. Now, maybe he's going to turn around and pull a rabbit out of a hat and do what he's done with so many. 
so many players like Connor Hellebuck right now is a player who you probably have at a 35% discount. I'd say Kyle Connors at least a 10 to 15% discount. I'd say Mark Shifley is a 25% discount at the very least. Go up and down this list. Uh, Josh Morrissey right now looking like he's going to win a Norris Trophy is probably in the neighborhood of a 33% discount. So he's done this before. Maybe he can pull off magic and maybe have all these players play around. But I think we talked about this. The Pierre-Luc Dubois of the world, the Connor Hellbucks of the world, especially along with the Mark Schleifleys of the world. These guys need to get paid based on the lower level of money that they took in their last contracts that has put the Jets in such a good position. And I just think it's different this time around because all three of those players are probably want to get paid unless they go down the Boston Bruins route and say, we just think we can win here and we're going to stick around. Um, I just think that... It would be a very tough move for the Jets to have the success it looks like they're going to have this year to press the way that I expect them to press this year and come out of that and blow it up in the offseason. So if those guys aren't, if you can't pay those guys their money, if they decide to move on, I think if the Jets are left with the decision of let's blow it up and build for the future, I think that they stick with it one last time and say, you know what, we love this band. It's our favorite band of all time, and I want to see a farewell tour rather than, you know, moving on to the next generation of finding a, a different favorite band. Well, that, that, that would certainly uh, drive the, <laughs> the asset management folks, would drive them absolutely crazy. Yeah, not crazy. So, but but, but I don't I mean, agree don't, with I, I don't agree with you on this. But um, to, to, to be fair, I was the guy who said I didn't think the Jets were going to do much of anything in this offseason. You sure, thought there you was going right. to be wholesale changes. Well, you and, were right. and I, and, I thought and there were, I didn't say wholesale, but I did think a couple well, core pieces. You thought there was going to be some sure. big ones. You thought there, but, but that would represent that that would represent you know now wholesale, now Ferguson is here. I'm. Drew Ferguson is saying off my rocker. Now, not for a second am I saying that the Jets should do this, but this is just my take on how Kevin Dayoff has handled this group. Like, I, I do think that there is a, a feeling of this is our Winnipeg Jets. Mark Shifley has been here from the very beginning. We grew him. We found Connor Hellebuck. And I just think that because of how they feel about it, Blake Wheeler is our captain for so many years. We turned him into one of the best players in the NHL for a, a significant you know, amount of time. And I do think that if they didn't feel the way they did about these players, that some moves would have been made in the offseason. And so I just, I think, and, and I'll go back to the same comment that I made in the past, when it comes to moving these players that I think True North feels very, very connected to and very strongly about moving them, I'll believe it when I see it. And so I, I, I put it this way. I think it's more likely that the Jets lock some of those players down long term and keep a little bit of what they've got going on now going in the future. I think that is far more likely than it is for this team to say, you know what, they had their run, let's blow it up in this offseason and be you know, off for three years and come with the next generation in three years and turn this thing around. I see it more likely being the Jets trying to play out the clock with that group, and if it doesn't work out, spending some tough years lost in the woods for a couple of years. That's how I see things playing out. Mark this day down on your calendars, people, because if that ends up happening, you definitely heard it here first. Well, they didn't do it with Jacob Truba, I would quickly counter, and he was definitely a core piece. He was their second ever first-round draft pick. 
Uh, and I do think that but the it's Jets, one guy, right? It is it's one, one guy, guy to yeah. move and bring I someone in. That. And then with Line, it's one guy. This is everyone at the same time and the most important players now. Like, no doubt. Like, if you've got to start a list on who, well, hang on who to keep you around. You told me last week that Josh Morrissey is the MVP, and now he's not one of the most important players. Sure. He's sure. not long term. So is Ehlers. So is Connor. Yeah. Yes, but Connor Hellebuck, I mean, look at this team without Connor Hellebuck over the last number of years. And Connor Hellebuck is your pick for the MVP right. of this season. So in no. fact, you said that the Jets wouldn't be in the playoffs I right agree. now. I agree. I just said it's not all. Right. It's not all. That's all. It's not all. all. It's those are three. That's a, that's your, a big, first, that's a wide first canvas. Second line all. centers and your your Vezina Trophy winner, those are three it pretty is big pieces. Big. Which is big why pieces. I was saying Horvat Insurance. There you go. Yeah, no I doubt. don't know if they can no afford doubt. it anyways, but regardless. Uh, quick- Dan, the Jets fan, says, save that receipt, Sean. I'm sure we'll need to check the show that it has not happened. You you saved that, Dan. Hey, I, Dan, I do not, you, have, not you are now responsible for being the guy I am not this. disputing that they'll take another run at it, but I have a hard time believing that they'll take another run at it with the band unless two of those guys are signed long-term. So that's my point. I think it's more likely that they bring guys back long-term than it is that they blow everything entirely. So, sorry. Well, you said uh, self-rentals, and that's different than ha- having an extension. But this is my point. If they can't get them extended, I think they'll be self-rentals. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't think it'll be it's this thing where risk. they try I'm not and, saying they can't or won't, but boy, uh, can, oh, boy, can. you would I don't be even think taking it's, I don't even think ma- it's a massive risk. It will be the Jets saying, we're going to take one more chance at this, and then we're going to be bad. For a while, that's what it'll be. I'm not even saying it's a risk. This is an this is Kawhi Leonard mortgage the future to bring it in for one last chance. It is that level, and then you get lost in the woods for years. And that I'll I'll stand by that. If the Jets take this tact, they'll be lost in the woods for a number of years. But my take on this is either they sign a couple of those guys, pay some really big money, and then kind of take things forward. But if they don't, and Pierre-Luc Dubois decides he's moving, and Hellebuck decides he's moving, and Shifley decides he's moving, I don't see a, a scenario where where they move some of those guys for a half bit of future, but keep some guys to still try and say good. It's an all-or-nothing scenario. So they're either going going for the gold for one last chance, or else, like that, well, that's what I think. Two chances because they would be pushing their chips in for this year too, though, right? No, well, but I think we I think we know that's already happening. That's okay. already happening. That's a foregone right. conclusion. We're talking about next year. Anyway, um, we should talk quickly about Hanelon before we go because people, <laughs> SK said, SK people said, have an opinion say, about Hanelon. You don't say. Say good things. Say good <laughs> things about Hanelon. Come on, K&R. Compliments for Hanelon. Say good things right now. People need that. So say good <laughs> things about Billy Hanelon, Ken. Well, Billy Hanelon, 20 shifts for 1640, uh, two shot attempts, one hit. Uh, I thought he moved the puck effectively. I thought he was a little bit more confident. Or sorry, a lot more confident than what we had seen um, and in several of the games. I thought he moved his feet well. I thought he got back to pucks quickly. Did I think Billy Hanel was dominant in the game? Absolutely not. Did I think he was better than he's been? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I saw incremental growth from Billy Hanela. I didn't see something that would say, you know, He's guaranteed a spot in the lineup for the next 10 games. I, I, it's a constant. Billy Hanlon needs to play at this level or higher every single night he's he's called upon to play. I, I, I like that he was back in the lineup. I mean, I said it before. I mean, I would have preferred him to play, you know, 5-10 in a row. So, you know, do I understand what, what Rick is doing? Of course. But uh, it doesn't mean I always agree with what he's doing. I mean, 
that's just the way that it is. So uh, I liked Hanela's game. I thought he was efficient. He had to, he skated with a variety of partners. Uh, I liked the pairing with Dylan DeMello late in the game after Morrissey was out of the game. And yeah, I mean, it's it's. I thought it was an important step forward. Do I think he played at a level that had people jumping out of their seats? I mean, no, but um, that's that's. I thought he was steady. I mean, he was better than he... He showed some of the skilled things that he's able to do, but uh, did I think he was one of the best three players in the game? No, <laughs> but um, anyways, I thought Hanlon made a nice, nice step today, but... I think Hanlon needs to play at that level or higher every night because I believe he has that ability. I've been saying this for years. I think that he's talented, but it doesn't matter what I think. He needs to show it on a nightly basis. And when he does show it on an ab- on a nightly basis, that is when he's going to be in the lineup when everyone is healthy. And that's what it, that's that's the task that is on his. <laughs> Rennie's receipts are written in Crayola. That's uh, that's pretty heavy by the quit, Kenny's quit water jumming, bottle. Quit jumming up with your buddy Kenny's water bottle. Let's <laughs> hey, and one quick one here. Roy, Roy Mack is in the chat. He says he didn't get his ticket. Roy Mack, we everyone who attended was supposed to get their first free beer. So uh, apologies if something got lost in translation there. Oh, he didn't get it at the last party? That's what he seemed to suggest in the chat room earlier on in the game. I think he may, unless he's saying he hasn't yet got his ticket for the next party, because I have all the names written down of people who have been, I haven't taken the money yet. No, no, he said he he didn't get his free beer. He was happy. If he said he didn't get his free beer, then yeah, I'm pretty sure Roy is coming to the next one. I think he said so already, so don't worry about it. I'll, I'll give him... Two free tickets, and I'll buy him a beer on top of that. There you go, uh, Roy. Mistake. There you go. Um, okay, we should shut this. Oh no, sorry. sorry I'll just one. do a little. Go, go got, on. No, go. I just want to say, uh, R.I.P. Bob Holiday. Uh, you know, Winnipeg legend. I worked with him at the Winnipeg Sun for a long time. It was a sad day this week. Uh, Doc lost his battle with cancer. He'd been battling for a long, long time. Uh, he was a great human being. Uh, honored by many many people and some hall of fames and just an all-around good person who um just at this time of the year i think one doc would always tell me he would always say at this if i you know kenny you're writing about the world you know world junior today make sure you don't write world juniors it's not plural it's one it's one world junior uh that was one of many uh, great pieces of advice he gave to me uh he's a great human being he will be missed his friends and uh are thinking of him and his family and uh, like I said, he made a nice impact on my life, and uh, I'm a better person for having knowing him. So, I know it's been a you know, tough time in the last month or so for you know, friends of ours who lost parents, and um, just there was another loss this uh, week from uh, you know a local legend, and wanted to just uh, quickly pay my respects there on the show here. I got to say this: uh, I read this thing one time on Twitter where when people like make comments about people that they didn't necessarily know. Uh, after they've passed away, it's their way of saying, like, look at me. You know, I'm mourning over this person rather than not focusing on what was lost. I, I didn't know him, uh, so I don't feel like I have the right to, to weigh in on his passing. All I can say is everything that I've read about him is that he was a phenomenal guy. You hear all these crazy stories about him, you know, like people asking if they could, you know, take something and get an autograph from one of the WWE slash WWF guys. And he'll be like, no, I will not do that. Here's two free tickets and a backstage pass to go get it yourself. I mean, those are amazing stories. Uh, I just can't weigh in because I, I didn't, I didn't know him at all. Uh, but, uh, but I love that you uh, stepped in 
in that moment to do that. Just before we go quickly, I think I'm I'm all in on your your handle thing. Uh, I thought he had a great game today for 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 a play. Like if I'm taking a look at him as a prospect, I'm looking at what he's done and I'm thinking, okay, I like that game. There were still a couple times where he activated, and I thought, okay, this is what you need from him. It's kind of what I said about Neil, Neil Pion. Uh, looking his best, Billy Hanel is activating. He's getting into the zone. He's looking a lot more like how Josh Morrissey plays the game. And there's one time I saw him do exactly that. And he went and he got the puck, and then he just turned it around and tried for a hope pass and turned it away. There's still that little element of his game. Uh, but I, I, so he's not quite there. I think you could expect that from a young player. Uh, I just thought he's starting to, sh- to show more of the stuff that allows us to be okay with that young player making that mistake. I'll still say this. Um, like the, the there's a lot of people who were in the chat earlier who were saying like Billy Handel looked phenomenal tonight. I still think there's a really really large element of people having fully immersed themselves and and sold the farm on Hanela stocks and they've been saying it on Twitter for a long time and saying Hanela is going to be the next this the next that and there's this really strong urge for people to say like they want to be right. You know, they want, they want, so they're, it's, you know, they're trying to confirm their biases in this situation. Anyone who's telling me that, like, you know, the guy was out there controlling the game tonight, that's no. not what happened. But I think he had a really great game. I think he earned a, another spot in the lineup. This is a good thing. This is how things happen. He, does he have a high ceiling? I think he does. Um, I think we think of a lot of, sa- of the same things. I just think that. As you watch the process, it's okay through for Billy Hanla to go through the process of coming in and having a game, and it not you not having to say, "Well, that was a revelation." I mean, we're watching the next, you know, Bobby Orr at play here in Winnipeg, and you saw the first step of it here tonight. That's not where that's not what I'm seeing. So there's clearly a difference between me and a large chunk of the people viewing Billy Hanla. But I thought Billy Hanla tonight was a guy who didn't show a lot of warts, who looked really good. I'll tell you this, Ken, for his size. Is he ever good at standing up at the blue line and using his stick? He does this thing where he gets the really wide stance and he pushes the stick out, forces the player up into against the boards, and he forces a lot of dump ins. In other words, he's really good. When there's wide open space at not allowing zone entries in a space where he's not getting a lot of help. So that's something I took to take a look at. And I think that's Josh Morrissey-esque, the ability to be not the biggest guy, but be able to do that. So again, I'm seeing lots of really good signs. I think he had a re- really great game. I think he earned more time. If you want us to say bad things about other players, because it makes you feel good about Billy Hanel. Dylan Sandberg was off tonight. That pizza he gave away tonight was absolutely atrocious because I know some people are going to be saying you point out everything Hanel does wrong and you don't point out the things other people do wrong. I think we did a good job of pointing out the flaws in Neil Pionk's game, the last couple of times here so i want to make sure that people feel that we are like addressing everybody and talking about this kind of stuff there was a lot of really good stuff i saw out of that player um i don't think he was a game breaker tonight i don't think that the the puck was sorry the game was on his stick at any point tonight but i think the jets should be very happy about what they saw yeah, it was steady, steady, game, on this steady effort very much Build so uh okay Build you, on have it, then you'll impress us there you go. Uh, okay, let's shut this down because we've gone long again here, Ken. Uh, someone did ask about it. We are not going to be having a post-game show after the Oilers game. We're going to save it for the next day. Uh, so stay tuned. The best way to do that is to su- subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. It'll give you an alert when we're going up that day. It's probably going to be around 1 or 2 in the afternoon the next day, Ken. Is that when we're going to do the post-game show? Yep, 
whenever we're ready to roll. It's, you betcha. Uh, Would love for people to join us. That may be a fly by the seat of the pants thing, depending how jolly uh, Kenny and Rennie get on the night before that. Especially uh, and and yeah, and and how many how many trips to the buffet, the liquor buffet that Ken takes on that night? If he smashed I'll it, like ready, he smashed buddy. the buffet on this tonight, I'll be ready to okay. go. Don't He'll worry. be ready. Don't worry about him, me, buddy. You betcha. Um, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate that. Have a ton of fun doing this with you. And we want to give a shout out, of course, uh, to our sponsors who, like we've said this before, if you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces in this city, uh, please appreciate the hardworking businesses and uh, people who and, and our sponsors who are making sure that keeps happening for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, TransCanada Brewing Company, uh, the Johnston Group, Lou Ferlin, uh, just the, the Sweet Lou, he's the best-looking realtor in town. And, of course, our friends at Homefield. Uh, Ken, you knocked it out of the park. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We will see you in the new year. I'm not one of those people who's like, I'll see you next year. That drives me crazy. But we will see you in the new year next time. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy.